Okay, so here we are. Here we are, days away from spring training being over, days away from the beginning of one of the most exciting seasons, one of the most anticipated, most look, looked forward to, hyphenated, seasons in uh, recent Phillies memory, not longer. And lo and behold, all of the good injury luck, all of the good vibes, all of the good karma that had accrued over the first few weeks of spring training, all of a sudden that tab came due on Thursday when, in case you didn't hear, Phillies first baseman Reese Hoskins tore the ACL in his left knee, fielding a ground ball, a, a chopper ground ball to, to you know, deep in the hole behind first base. He had to pivot. He had moved awkwardly, planted his leg a little bit weird. Non-contact injury went down in the heat. Poof. There goes your stalwart first baseman. Now, there are divided opinions on Reese Hoskins for reasons, I guess. But what you can't deny is this. The guy's a good baseball player. You may think down on him for being a little bit less of a defender. You may think down on him for being a little bit streaky of a hitter. Point is this, folks, you, you don't easily replace somebody like Reese Hoskins. Moreover, the personal aspect of this, as Reese was entering his walk year when he was set to test the free agent waters, and if he had another typical year, even if it was the last couple of years when he wasn't getting on base quite as much as he used to, he stood to make a comfortable eight-figure uh, salary, you know, 20, 30 million, who knows what it would have looked like. He, he would have made good money from somebody, from somewhere, even if it wasn't Philadelphia. Now all of that is gone. He will make $12 million this year, but his future beyond this year, location, contract terms, all of that is up in the air. And in the near term, the Phillies now have a first base problem, puzzle, something of the sort to figure out. And we need to work through some of that because now more than ever, the title of this podcast, Phillies Therapy, is very appropriate because I feel like we got to work through some stuff. Joining me as always, the Athletics' Matt Gelb, who is back home from Florida just in time for this <laughs> rather terrible, but blessedly terrible event to drop and for the start of the season to all of a sudden be tossed into complete chaos matt, matt what what's the feeling um that folks are having both reese and other people in the clubhouse in the wake of this has everybody gotten over the shock yet or is it still just something that's kind of hanging in the air right now the first thing I, there's a couple things i thought of first paul like the, one of the things i thought of was a conversation i had uh with bobby dickerson a couple weeks ago i was asking about you know kind of the work they were doing uh with hoskins uh, at, at first base and Obviously, it was never going to be perfect. It wasn't ever going to even be above average or even average, probably. But uh, he he had a he said to me, we got off topic, and I went back and found it. I just found it now, um, and, and we were, you know, we were just talking about the dynamic of Reese Hoskins, and this is what he said to me. I'll, I'll quote Bobby Dickerson. He says, "I'll tell you this: if you go out there and you go throughout the league, there's 31st basemen, and you keep going on and digging, and before you know it." 
you can find a lot of pimples on all those guys. And then you'll get a guy here and you'll be like, damn, we miss Reese. And that wasn't supposed to be something they were going to experience until next year. I mean, it's going to end up being, uh, you know, they're going to learn what life without Reese Hoskins is like here in 2023. And um, I mean, it's just such a jarring thing to happen. I think because it's so hard to imagine the 2023 Phillies without Hoskins being a part of it. And there's, there's a lot of cruel ironies here. You know, I mean, Reese Hoskins has been on this, franchise longer than any position player than any hitter uh in the organization and uh this is the best team that's ever been assembled around him you know think about all those bad teams that he was on and yeah this was this was the best phillies team he was going to play for and now he will not be playing for that team and, and that's that's really rough you know i, I use this in my story i mean i um, I, I wrote a little what i dubbed as like kind of a, an ode or appreciation to you know, for Reese Hoskins, because I do think that, you know, before we get into all the, you know, what happens with the roster, you know, how do they replace them? What do they do? Sure. Like, I think it's important to like pause and take a minute and, you know, because for all we know, like that was it, like he will not play for the Phillies again. You know, he's mm-hmm. a free agent, as you mentioned, and who knows what happens, but, um, you know, I, <laughs> it, it, it's just so hard to imagine this team without him. And I think that's, that's kind of how people are processing. It's going to take a little bit. And, and, you know, the season starts in less than a week. So obviously, like, you know, people have to get over it. But uh, it, it's it's crazy to me um, how this all went down. And he really is a tragic figure, I think, in this franchise because um, he's a, a good, not great player who was, you know, sort of expected to be great from the very beginning. And unfairly, I think it just it's just the way everything happened. And um, they're going to miss him. And uh, I'm really curious to see how they decide to to fill this, but um, they're really going to miss Reese Hoskins, and I, and I think he deserved better. Yeah, you know it it is disappointing that <laughs> it is sort of this tragic figure ending. You know, you, you never want somebody who was there for the worst of of this of the Phillies experience. You know, dating back into the pre Harper era and even into the early Harper era. Um, to have somebody come out on the other side and emerge and, and, and have these, you know, a couple of triumphant moments in the playoffs. Like I, I wanted him to get a chance at a little bit more. I wanted him to, to have an opportunity to keep experiencing that because it felt like it was due to him for what he was part of, you know, before this team got good. And I think it's a great point that you made that, um, you know, when you're bringing up what Bobby Dickerson was saying, like, we're going to miss Reese. I think that's going to be apparent pretty quickly. At the very least, it's going to be obvious that this team is going to have to do a little bit of a patchwork thing at first base. They're going to have to make some kind of configuration work. Uh, it still seems like they're not going to expose Derek Hall too much to lefties. Then what does that mean? Who slides over? Is it Alec Bohm? Is Edmundo Sosa going to play a little bit more? What happens? Do they make a trade? Does somebody else make the team on opening day? Blah, blah, blah. We'll get into some of that in a second. I just, I, I think about the the stabilizing force that this guy had. You know, you you mentioned in the clubhouse, he's, he's you know, pretty close to revered. Everybody really seems to, to love Reese in there. But on the field, too, I think it gets lost just how much this guy has contributed and, and was expected to contribute 
in the middle of this lineup. I mean, this is a guy who's among, you know, the top 50 in this franchise's history in things like slugging percentage and OPS and extra base hits and home runs and RBIs, you know, OPS plus win probability added. You know, you you can find a lot of things that are positive, just objectively positive. This guy has contributed. And now we don't get to see him take that that farewell tour, I guess that it was sort of expected that he he would leave after this year. I mean, less about the farewell tour and more about, like you said, about you know accumulating more of those moments. And like, yeah, I think like it's it's awesome that he got that he got to the other side, right? Yeah. It's awesome that he did because like he got to have numerous moments in the postseason last year. The bat spike, chief among them, but yeah. two homers in the NLCS game four. Am I getting that right? Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember. Game yep. four, right? The crazy, the wild game faltered. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get out of the, both pitchers didn't get out of the first. Um, he had these moments. And like, you know, a lot of guys pass through here. A lot of Reese's teammates pass through here. Good players too. Some of them, not not a lot of them, some of them. And they didn't <laughs> get those moments. No, right? they didn't. You know, Cesar Hernandez didn't get his chance. Michael Franco didn't get his chance. You know, there are guys who who were organizational soldiers who who didn't get the opportunity. And I'm glad Reese capitalized as much as he did. All right, look, it's a bummer, but the team does have to move on and try to find a way to move on relatively quickly, right? The the start of the season is on the doorstep. This is something that can't really wait. And so there's a chance now, we think, potentially, for the Phillies to make some kind of move whether they continue to look internally and simply, you know, promote another in-house option, somebody like a Cody Clemens or maybe Dalton Guthrie makes it as, as a defensive backfill with different playing time allocation. It, it, it looks a little bit crazy when you start thinking about all the different ways this can go in the immediate aftermath. Hoskins is going to go on the 60 day injured list that frees up a 40 man spot. Does that mean Scott Kingery is back in the mix? All of this can get, wild if you if you think about it for too long so matt what what does it seem like the team's plan is in the near term to try and address this are they going to stay strictly internal or is there a chance they could look externally to to supplement this team so i think thursday night into friday morning a lot of it was uh the 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 highest in the front office trying to gather and try to like play play it out right and then friday morning was a lot of them it sounds like just in talking to people reaching out to other evaluators in the organization, analysts, scouts, and saying, let's, it's almost like the, <laughs> I, I love this. I, it's like an overused, probably a, a comparison or metaphor, but like the scene in Apollo 13, where like, you know, they have, they have all the equipment in the box and you know, this is what they have up yeah. in, in the ship <laughs> and they dump it on the table. And it's like, we have to get this square peg into this round hole. Essentially. Yeah. And I, I kind of think that's like, they went to their guys this morning. We're like, this is what we think. This is what we got. Give us ideas. Mm. And I, I think today they talked talked a lot of it through. Uh, we're recording this on Friday night. And, um, you know, you got a couple days here. And especially Friday was an active day. A lot of teams making some decisions uh, on players, you know, on, yes. on guys in camp who made or didn't make their teams. And, you know, potentially some guys becoming available. And, you know, you trust your scouts and your analysts and your organization to know, um, you know, who might be making a team, who might not be making a team, who might become available, who is available. Uh, and 
you know, you want the, you want that knowledge so that if something catastrophic or unthinkable happens like this, that you can move on a dime. And that's why you have these people in your organization to, to keep tabs on everybody else. And so I think they've been entertaining a lot of different ideas. Look, like I, I think they're going, I think they're going to acquire someone. And, 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 and mm. the way I look at it is I, I think they look at, I think you try to travel the path of least resistance here. To me, that means keeping Bohm at third for the majority of time. Yeah. And I know a lot of people ban- you know, have kicked around the idea of like Bohm bouncing between third and first, maybe even Bohm spending, you know, majority of time at first. I, I wouldn't rule that out for like later in the season. I, I think right now they want it they want to see for one, they want to see what Hall does, what Derek mm-hmm. Hall does with, you know, some semi regular playing time at first base against right-handed pitching to keep by keeping Bohm at third. Like you just, first of all, he's probably going to DH a little bit too. So like you, you have that other part of the equation too. I mean, remember before the Hoskins injury, you know, one of these so-called bench players was going to have to be in the lineup every day because you have this, you know, rotating DH or, or, you know, situation until Bryce Harper returns. So by, by keeping Bohm at third, you at least free yourself up, uh, against lefties for Edmundo Sosa to either play center or second or left field if Kyle Schwarber's DHing. I, I just think you want to keep Sosa as kind of like your your catch-all, your move around against lefties. Mm-hmm. He can play a different spot. And to me, to handle that at first, like you go right now, like if you do want to see Hall, and I do think they do, you go look for a right-handed platoon partner um, to pair with Hall. It's interesting because there's no shortage of uh, candidates, I guess, that you could toss out there because there's first fewer than I would, would have thought because, well, yeah, but like right handed hitting first baseman, you're like, oh, there should be a bunch of these guys like to pick from. There was, there's not like a, I, I've tried to go through a lot of rosters and I've talked to a lot of people around the sport today, people from other teams, people from the Phillies, and like, there's some, there are some names. Yeah, I, it's not as if, it's not as if there's a bounty. I don't want to give that impression. But there's more than, you know, two or three for what the Phillies are looking for. Granted, we're not looking for them to immediately go and trade for somebody who will replace Hoskins and then some. You know, we're not we're not saying this is the time for some major deal to be struck where some real quality contributor who happens to still be stuck on a non-contending team somehow this close to opening day is available for trade at this moment when the Phillies have no leverage and just, it it doesn't really line up that way. They're shopping in a so-called bargain bin because that's what they kind of would need to plug in right now. They have somebody who they want to see get the long end of a platoon in Derek Hall because he hit pretty well against right-handed pitching last year. Small sample and all that for sure, but he, he showed something and he's had a good shot here. I think so too. Sure. I mean, in in these circumstances, especially, you know, like he was, he was going to get an opportunity um, not as big as, as this one, obviously, but he was going to get some looks regardless. Now he's thrust into the spotlight a little bit more. I, I, I think it's nice to hear that the team would be looking to, to make a quick move to supplement. You know, there, there were some names being talked about, you know, the, the likes of, you know, Luke Voigt, who you mentioned, who might be making the Brewers in the wake of, of Keston Hira, who's another candidate, uh, being told he's not going to make the Brewers, which is interesting and a swift fall from grace for the him um 
And that's the kind of guy we're thinking about right now, right? You know, like Carlos Santana, I think is with Pittsburgh right now. Oh God, <laughs> the, I didn't even the, think about him. Wow. The ironic thought of, you know, a Darren Ruff reunion because he's that's owed money the one. In the Mets. Yes. Yeah. That um, is the one that like Yeah. I would love to see that. I don't know if it would be good, but I think it would be hilarious. Hey, I mean, he didn't have a good year last year, but who knows? Maybe he, maybe he can <laughs> unlock a little something from a couple of years ago when he was in Mets San fans, Francisco. So one of the weirdest twists of like Darren, you know, Darren Ruff was like, you know, like, you know, people were clamoring and clamoring for years for the Phillies to bring him up. His babe yeah. Ruff and like, you know, all this stuff. He became kind of this folk <laughs> hero. And yeah. I never foresaw that Darren Ruff would end up becoming you know, like the bane of Mets fans existence. Like, Mets yeah, right. Fans hate Darren Ruff. It's what it's a, kind of career, wild. What a career twist. Yeah, he goes overseas for a few years and comes back a new man. No, I, I mean, I'm very happy for him. <laughs> By all accounts, he's he's a great guy. Um, he, he, he did have an absolutely brutal stretch with the Mets last year. Love to see that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's just the kind of guy we're talking about right now. That's the quality of of hitter, of player that the Phillies would would realistically be thinking about because you have to consider the fit on the roster for one. They would probably have to be right-handed or switch hitting. You would ideally like for them to be, you know, a little more adept than just standing there at first base, be able to pick it a little bit, although I'm sure that's not high on the priorities. You would think they wouldn't have to cost much for an acquisition right now when you couldn't, you know, talk about paying down salary too much or if it's an established veteran uprooting them at this point. Like that just, that doesn't really happen right now at this point in the, in, in the spring, all of this comes together to, to bring us to where we are and thinking about this really kind of tight list of characteristics. And it doesn't yield a whole lot. You kind of have to pick and choose or sift through this bin of like, well, what makes the most sense? Are some of these guys going to get cut from their minor league deals or opt out? Um, is somebody like, we were talking just before uh, we started recording, there's a thought that somebody like, you know, a Bobby Dahlbeck from Boston is a name being floated a little bit like that. That's not, not a conventional thought a, because he's you know not a rental. So you don't typically think about that. Um, but also because they've been playing him all around the diamond, trying to get it to work and, and, and the Phillies and Red Sox with their recent history and the Nova song thing, maybe being a little tense. I don't know. I probably play that up to be more than it actually is. Suffice to say, the Phillies have an interesting decision to make. It's not going to be a world-shaking decision. It's not going to be something that fundamentally alters the lineup necessarily. But it is important because if you don't fully trust Derek Hall against left-handed pitching and you don't want to expose him to uh, a lot of those looks, well, then you have to have some sort of reliable complement. All of the domino effects that come with moving Alec Bohm over, you know, I, I would, I feel like we need to ride the hand while it's hot. He improved defensively, you know, as the year went on, you might as well keep playing him there to see if it sticks for another couple of years and, and, you know, try and have him be a third baseman while he can, while everybody's outlook is still fairly grim, you know, taking reps away from third base at the moment doesn't really further that goal. You know, Kyle Schwarber can stand at first base, but like, what, what do you really expect out of him there? You he know, even, it, he even tossed cold water on even standing at first base. Oh, did he really? Well, there you go. Yes. He was like, no, I will not do that. <laughs> not not <laughs> well, like he will right. refuse to do it. It's just like, no, like it won't happen. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, it, it's better to be realistic and know ahead of time if you... <laughs> 
<laughs> if no, you can make it try Manuel would say know thyself <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm, that's the situation the Phillies are in now it's not just that you know a lot a, a lineup regular went down and yeah, that's bad enough as it is this is a guy who you know his handedness on top of his position and his spot yes. in the lineup that he was set to to occupy for the you would assume the majority of the season, the vast majority of the season is now gone is, is gone. The most optimistic hope you can have is that if there is a playoff run, a deep playoff run again this year, that maybe the injury was not severe enough to have kept him out. And maybe he's a possible returnee in like mid to late October. That that's it right now. And that's the, you know, so, so the, (laughs) so in, Yes, and you've hit on something here, Paul, that I think is important is that we are going to focus on well, like how do you replace you know, how do you replace him at first base? But you touched on the handedness and the lineup and and more than anything, I mean, I think the onus on replacing Reese Hoskins is going to fall to Nick Castellanos and Alec Bohm. They need yes. right handed power from both of those guys. And yeah. Bohm has, has showed an improved power stroke this spring. You know, has made some you know really strong adjustments. I think, and Castellanos has also made some adjusting adjustments. And you know, uh, Phillies could really use a big bounce back season from Nick Castellanos. And like, I, I think I don't want to say he's like kind of an afterthought right now. He's not. I mean, like, he's making a lot of money, and people, you know, as soon as the season starts, will be focusing quite a bit on Castellanos. But um, I almost, I, I feel like he's kind of been written off. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't think the expectations are real high. Don't you agree? Like they're not they're not high for Castellanos right now. No, I, I 2022 lowered the bar so aggressively, you know, expectation wise that if you look at a projected lineup now post Hoskins injury, if you look at somebody who's assembling these things outside of the top three, where presumably you'd have some combination of Turner, Schwarber and Real Muto, probably it's going to change, I'm sure. But you think of those two as your your top or those three as your top three. If you plug Nick Castellanos in as a cleanup hitter in one of these mock lineups right now, you kind of wince a little bit, right? Because you look at his line from last year and you're like, whoa, sub 400 slug, precipitous drop off in power. Like if you get the 2022 guy again, uh, lineup depth took a, a massive hit. If you get something closer to the 21 guy and hey, look, I still have faith in this guy. I've, I've proclaimed it time and again. He's got the track record as a better hitter than what he showed last year, like by far. Hopefully some of the, the more intangible things like getting acclimated to the city in the new environment, other things that he's touched on in some of these stories that have, have, have come out over the winter, you know, where he's talked about his adjustment period and, and finding a way to have, have fun playing baseball again, you know, like when he got to the playoffs. Hopefully all of that contributes to something a little bit more positive because He's so important right now. He is a little bit of an afterthought, but if he can produce closer to what's expected of him, you know, around the time he signed, that will help offset a lot. It will take a lot of weight. It will take a lot of weight off the rest of the lineup because all of a sudden the Phillies are, are being challenged depth wise. They're being like seriously challenged all at once. It becomes really really important that the remaining regular contributors both in the rotation especially and at the top of the lineup stay healthy 
because this team can't afford to take a whole lot of hits like this. They're all, they're down Hoskins for the year. They're down Harper for a few months. The rotation, you know, Ranger Suarez is a little bit nicked up. They've got other injuries. Things are getting a little tenuous right now. So for the guys who are healthy, yes, it's essential that they contribute. It's not, it's not just like an added on bonus. Like it would have been if, the lineup was at full strength, like if Harper was healthy and if Hoskins had stayed healthy. No, no, no. It's totally different now. And if they if they can't, uh, then there are going to be some more interesting conversations they might have to have as the summer creeps on. Yeah, and also, I, I just want to highlight this. I mean, like, let's not forget. I mean, last year, for example, Philly's shortstops hit 235 yeah. with a 291 on base and a 360 slug. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be better. Like it's going to be way better. So like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you look yeah. around that you look around, you're like, where, okay, where you're trying to compare them, you know, this, this lineup to, you know, the lineup that you, you know, they finished with, you know, last season and you're looking for spots where like you think it'll be better or where, the, where they can like, you know, try to comp and offset, you know, the loss of Hoskins and obviously shortstop is one of those spots and right field could be one of those spots. I mean, they really, they really need it. And third base, you know, could be one of those spots. So, like, it, it still comes down a lot to, you know, the three young guys taking incremental steps forward, right? Bohm, Stott, Marsh, you know, they, they are important. Castellanos, more important than ever. Um, and then Hall, you know, like, I think Paul, like, yeah. I, I could see them going, like, left, right, left. You know, like, I could see it going, like, uh, against righty, against righties, I could see it going Turner, Schwarber, Real Muto, mm-hmm. Hall, mm-hmm. Castellanos, yep. uh, Stott, Bohm, uh, and then, I don't know, Cave, Marsh. So you'd go right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, all the way down until the eight, Stack nine would be left and the bottom, left. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not ideal. It's also, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Jake Cave. It's not bad. <laughs> Jake Cave. Jake Cave might be starting opening day. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Cave is starting against Jacob Degrom on opening day in Texas. Like I could, the, I could definitely see him in left field and Schwarber DHing. And he joins the the Cedric Hunter All Stars in that case. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So look, the the outlook isn't fantastic right now. You know, this is a a significant injury. Well, how much? Uh, how much is this downgrade? Like. So, you know, Vegas, I think they're at about 89 and a half. And I think it's gone down to like 88 and a half or 87 and a half, somewhere, somewhere in that vicinity. How much do you downgrade? Like, what, what, how does this downgrade your outlook on like this, you know, the, 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 their prospects as a whole? Well, it, it, it hurts more than I think it will practically affect them. And I, I don't think the, the practical effect is going to be all that small. It would be great if they picked the right move to supplement it, whatever that move ends up being whoever they end up trading for or claiming on where whatever that move ends up being could go a long way to on the field objectively in the win column offsetting what you lose with Hoskins going down. You're not going to fully replace him, at least not with whatever move is coming in the next couple of days. You just can't expect that. Um, it really just, it'll take a little bit of time for me as a huge Hoskins guy to really just fully come to grips with, yeah, I'm not going to see him this year. This might be it. That might be the last time we've seen him in a Phillies uniform. And that part kind of, like the fan part of it, 
kind of sucks to deal with that and to have that sort of hanging over. Now, as with a lot of things, winning will help. <laughs> winning is good medicine, um, but it's going to take a little bit. You know, you just got to put more faith in the front office that they make that right move and, and that the wins pile up, that they don't talk, fall too far behind while they wait for Harper to come back. We haven't talked much about the fact that like their schedule is kind of soft in April. Like they do have, it's a like, huge help. I think it's yeah. 16 straight without an off day in the middle there. But like mm-hmm. you've got seven games against the Reds, uh, four against the Rockies, three against the Marlins, mm-hmm. uh, White Sox. I don't know. Do you think the White Sox are going to be good? I, I kind of want the White Sox to be better. They're, they're sort of like my unofficial AL team. I've wanted the I White like the, Sox I want the White Sox to be better because James Fegan, who writes, uh, right. <laughs> who writes about the White Sox for the Athletic, is one of my favorite uh, writers. He's, great. He's, he's really good. You check him out. Um, but yes, I always enjoy reading his White Sox stuff. And um, We were nerding out today. He was texting me because uh, an old friend, Paul, is going to make the Yankees bullpen. A former, he never, I don't think he ever pitched for the Phillies, but he was a Phillies. He was a guy that you probably had a, had a crush on. At one point, really? Jimmy Cordero. Really? You remember him? Jimmy Cordero. Oh, wasn't he involved in one of the Ben Revere trades yes. forever ago? Yeah. He's going to, apparently going to Toronto, make. Maybe? He pitched in the big leagues for the White Sox, and now he's been in camp with the Yankees this spring. And he's, yeah, uh, he's, he's, he made the Yankees. Oh, no kidding. Oh, good for him. Yeah, I remember <laughs> being. I remember being intrigued by him. Yes, I'm looking up his page now. July 2015. Jimmy Cordero and Alberto Torado for Ben Revere. Um, yeah. Alberto Torado was on the 40 man roster for like three months. He was, he was. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that's good for him, man. Uh, it's, it's funny. The names you see coming out of some of these spring training. Yeah. Jay Reese Familia got released. Yeah. He got, he got the boot. Kyle Gibson yeah. got the opening day start not oh, for Baltimore. God. You know, like it's, it's just, it's the wild west out there, man. It's, it's quite a um, thing. Anyway, Phillies, yes. Um, the the early schedule helps. You know, you were running through it. Reds for a couple of series. Marlins, White Sox, if they're not fully up to speed, we're fully realizing their potential. Whatever. Rockies, who knows what the Rockies are going to be? Um, th- there's a chance, hopefully, for them to bank some wins in the middle of the month. Really, it'll just be, it'll just be a little bit more important this year. It was already important with how good you were expecting the Mets to be and the Braves. I don't. I don't want to believe in the Braves, but they're... yeah, they have to be happy that they don't face the Mets or the Braves until May 25th. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think Harper will be back by then. I guess maybe he could be, uh, but God. you know, by May 25th, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're hoping that, you know, you, you've sorted some things out and um, you know, how, how, how it was crazy, right? I mean, how they, how they faced the Mets like 12 times, you know, like the first six weeks last year. And it was a, it's a really bad time for the Phillies to be playing the Mets and really was, it was a, it was a, it was a huge difference in how the season record looked. Yeah, no, it really hurt him. I know they went like what, three months between series, something like that was, that was a weird schedule. It's going to be weird this year too, with the the balance anyway. All right, let's, let's put a bow on this. Let's, let's wrap it up. Let's summarize what's going on here. So Reese Hoskins, he's going to get a second opinion on his tear, but he's out for the year. He's going to need surgery. There's a, a far off chance that maybe he could return in mid to late October. If all goes well and the Phillies have a deep playoff run, maybe can't count on him really doing anything in the immediate term. Derek Hall is now your likely opening day. First baseman, somebody who's going to see a large share of the time against right-handed pitching. What remains to be determined. And Matt, what you've said may be addressed within the next couple of days before opening day is what the right-handed or switch-hitting complement to Derek Hall might be in that corner spot. 
and what that might look like. Don't really know too much about that yet. Sounds like things are still very early. Obviously, as this just happened yesterday, it was only, you know, 30 hours ago, something like that. Um, a lot in flux, but right now, it seems like there is a good chance, I won't say will be, but a good chance that the Phillies will make a move to address Hoskins' absence and it will likely be external. Does that sound about accurate? Did I miss anything? Yeah, and the one thing I want to say is that like, I don't think, even even if they do make a move, again, we were talking about some of these names, it's not going to be a big move. And I, I do think there's good reason behind that. It's like, number one, teams aren't looking to make big moves right now like like other teams yeah. you know what i mean like another right. team is not like you know people want to ask me about christian walker and i and guess what like the diamondbacks aren't going to trade him right now you well, know they like, want to win until, man the exactly diamondbacks want to right. win right now correct correct and it, and come july if things haven't gone well for them and the phillies still feel like they have a need then yeah i mean like christian walker might be like a guy that they talk about but i do think there's one other element to this that like i i wanted to get to really really quick is that you, you, the reason why you kind of do the path of least resistance here, you find like just a, a suitable right-handed platoon bat for Hall is that you don't want to close doors. Like you don't want to go get a, a guy right now who you're like, we have to, we're committed to him. We're paying him a lot of money. We're going to put him at yeah. first base no matter what. Yeah. And, and, and one of the interesting scenarios that you want to keep open to me is, is the Scott Kingery situation, right? Mm. Like I, I don't think Kingery is going to make the team. Uh, but, but, but I also think that people who have seen him the spring are, 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 are optimistic are encouraged and so like let's say he goes to triple a and keeps doing what he's been doing and does even better let's say and you know is it far-fetched to think that sometime in the summer that like scott kingery is playing third base on a regular basis and alec bohm is playing first base on a regular basis like i i don't know like i could see that i, I could totally see that and and you don't want to close uh, you don't want to go get out go out and get somebody that you're committed to to close the door on that you i think you just if you play the path of least resistance now, you get a, a guy to, to chip in. You see how these other scenarios unfold. If if nothing works and you, you need to go get somebody in July, you go get somebody in July. Yeah. It feels like the first part of potentially, you know, two parts. You have this move, whatever it ends up being, however it ends up taking place. And then you have the usual wait and see and evaluate how things go and what you have come July. And it really brings that health part back into focus too, because you want everybody, like everybody to stay healthy, obviously, but if you have too many holes popping up from guys going down, or you have a, uh, a number of dudes populating the injured list in the middle of the summer, you don't have an unlimited farm to repopulate things from. And maybe this Correct. isn't the team to go all out. Well, it should be the team to go all out for, but if you have too many things sure. to address, how do you balance it? So it's, there's a lot of stuff to keep an eye out on. You mentioned not closing a door in certain situations. That's another good reason why it should be a low stakes move uh, to address the Hoskins thing right now. No panic trades, hang in there, wait and see both the state of your own team, as well as the competitive landscape. When July comes around, if you need to readdress something, well, then you probably haven't really dealt from your, your biggest parts of your prospect capital. If that's where you want to go, um, you know, from this move into July, on and on and on. Going to be small to start relatively. Hopefully it works. Hopefully it's a patchwork situation that keeps them in there. Um, and then you just, you see what happens in July. I really, <laughs> it feels like it could be an interesting July based on nothing other than is. a hunch. Uh, you know, it, it is. I have, you know, I have multiple tinfoil theories, uh, both fun and not so fun, especially in the wake of this Hoskins stuff. 
Um, there's a number of ways this team could go. You know they're they're in it to win it, and they're probably not going to stand pat regardless of what they look like. Um, but they got to get there first, and this <laughs> the first steps of getting there is finding out who they can use to try and replace a little bit of Reese Hoskins. Oh, Reese, I already miss you, buddy. Oh, anyway, just to wrap up uh, on a slightly less sour note, hopefully. <laughs> uh, Matt, you just recently published a, a piece on the immediate roster aftermath on The Athletic. This was just, I believe, a couple hours ago. Um, we have that that folks can go check out. Is there anything else coming in the lead up to opening day uh, you might want to let a us know about? Or... Yeah. 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 I know Some I just asked you about this a couple days just ago. Just because I know, yeah. well, like I had, I said I teased like a couple different things, and like you know, Reese Hoskins tearing his ACL has uh, just like rearranged a few a uh, few plans here. But yeah, uh, in the days leading up to opening day, you can expect some uh, some fun stuff at the Athletic. That's all I'll say. Reese, if you listen, come on. We, we'd love to talk to you. <laughs> we'd love to talk it out. Maybe we get him on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. He's nice. gonna have a lot of time. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh boy. Yeah, I just got a little sad again. All right, let's wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sorry that uh, I feel bad that this took some air out of what was otherwise an incredibly positive spring. Well, got a couple of days left. Going to wrap it up. Hopefully everybody else stays healthy. And then we look forward to opening night. Aaron Nola getting the ball against Jacob deGrom, who will be wearing red and blue and white as opposed Crazy. to orange and blue for the first time i'm excited to see that place sold out like we were there last year it's a big place it's a cool place mm. i'm excited to see what it's like packed it should be fun it should be great i i am trying to build myself up to get back to being excited baseball's around the corner we're less than a week away trying to tell myself it feels good we'll, we'll get to it for now a couple days left in the spring enjoy what's left if you can take in what you can matt and i will be back with you with the season preview sometime in the middle of next week uh stay posted to all the wonderful usual channels Philly's Therapy on Twitter and we'll catch you when we catch you for Matt I am Paul we'll see you in a bit